Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Millennial Business Podcast, where we source the top thought leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world to teach millennials how to live, lead, create, and earn like the most successful men and women in all industries. This is the advice you wish they taught you in school. So sit back, grab your pen and paper, and make sure you are ready, because this is a podcast by a millennial for the millennials that is going to change your life. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Business Podcast. I'm so excited to be joined today by the amazing Jessica Williamson. She is a fellow Australian. She's an absolute business boss. She's killing it in everything that she does. So Jessica, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have a chat with you. I want to jump back to when you were on the New York fashion runway, were you just sort of like in shock that this had happened a week after you launched your business? Yeah. So I was actually in New York six months later. So they invited me one week and then I had six months to create a whole new collection, which I'd literally just launched my first one. I wasn't rolling in the sales. So I had to, you know, come up with the money and all the costs and things that are involved with going to New York. So it was kind of a whirlwind, but yeah, the, the actual show for my own portion was four minutes minutes like 50 something it was time to the second so before it even started it was over it was like such a blur I wish like someone videoed the whole thing or something I don't know but it was just like so quick that I barely felt like I lived it it feels like I don't know a movie in my brain so it was just an amazing experience plus the adrenaline was through the roof (laughs) Um, very nervous but yeah also very exciting yeah I can imagine and you you mentioned that after it happened, it really sort of did wonders for your brand. I imagine it really helped to establish you as an authority in the industry, in Australia, in Perth particularly, um, because there wasn't many fashion brands out there. Was it sort of, did you find that you got heaps of press deals after that? Or what, what were the sort of implications for doing something that big for your brand? Yeah, so I guess there's a lesson in this for everyone. So just attending a New York Fashion Week does not get you anything. Like, I mean, a couple of people in the audience might then follow you on Instagram, but the point is I actually went out, which none of the other brands did in this showcase, and I got myself a PR freelancer and I made sure that we got as much PR off my own back as we could. So I invested in all these extra things. While I was in New York, I made sure I did, you know, a press showcase where we invited influencers and press along and wholesalers. And not many people came because we're new to the game and it's a busy week, but, you know, at least I tried. And yeah. so that was the same with the press. People see all of these things happening but they don't realise I actually made those things happen. So you don't ever just go to New York Fashion Week, for example, and think that it's going to skyrocket your brand because it won't. It's what you make of it afterwards. And so obviously being from Perth, there was a lot of local press that was picked up, but also national press as well. So a lot of, yeah, Australians go to New York sort of stories um, came off the back of that. But that's because we went out there and sought after that press. Mm -hmm. And then a few other press um, outlets saw my features on other ones and then they reached out. But otherwise, it was all us reaching out pretty much. Nice. How, what did that look like for you in terms of hiring your own PR agent? You said you hired a freelancer. Like, how did you go about doing that? And what, 
what did it look like to begin with? How much were you paying them? If you're allowed to say that, like what, what, what did the whole process look like for you? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I'd literally just created my brand from scratch, spent all of my money, but then I had to create a whole new collection in the same time. Plus pay to go new. I had no money. Like I literally emptied my bank account of my life savings at this point. So I did not have much money. And what I did was my background is in marketing. So I kind of understand the whole PR, the agency sort of methods. Um, So I contacted almost every PR person in Australia, in all of Australia. So I contacted agencies, freelancers, all sorts. But in the end, I actually searched on LinkedIn and I found a lady locally in Perth and she just did this on the side of her um, full-time job. Mm-hmm. So um, she was quite affordable, which was great. Yeah. Um, so there always is a way. And I think people contact one or two and they're like, oh, too expensive. All of them will be too expensive. But I said, no, I'm going to contact every single agent in Australia and find the one that's going to work for me because there always is someone that will work. And, you know, at the time I was restricted by budget, whereas mm-hmm. now, you know, I've hired other PR people in the past as well. And, you know, I'm looking for different things out of it. So depending on what you want, there's always different options. Usually agencies do charge a little bit more because they have staff and overheads and things as well. But, you know, a freelancer was great for me at the time. It was really flexible and she could sort of put together a package just for that one-off. Whereas sometimes working with agencies, you have to commit to your retainer over a certain amount of months. But I only needed it for this one one-off project and um, she was kind of at home in Perth while I was in New York and so we'd sent over all the photos and stuff so it was really timely as well. Nice. I love that. It's it's so true because I run a digital marketing agency so mm-hmm. I know the pricing that can be involved with hiring an agency for these sorts of things. But if you can find a freelancer or someone that is willing to do it on the side or even someone that's starting out, I find... Um, it's great to find people that are starting out because they generally will do it for cheaper in exchange for a testimonial and just a little bit of money or whatever it is. Doing those sorts of things and being resourceful and sort of trying to think outside of the box can really help you to get sort of established and get your feet off the ground as well, as well as them. So I love that, that you were sort of resourceful and you knew that you didn't have a big budget. So you were looking for other options. I think that's fantastic. Cool. So I would love to move into now your influencer marketing um, business. Was that just an idea that you randomly had one day or was it something that you were thinking about for a little while? Like how did that even come about? Yeah, it kind of was just an idea that I had. I mean, I'd seen all of these large brands, you know, taking groups of influencers and the concept was always a thing. But I thought, how can I make this possible for smaller brands? Mm-hmm. So with my knowledge of the influence marketing industry and, you know, how to work with them and how to get the best out of it for the brands, I was able to get the, be the um, brand spoke person on these trips. And I've always been resourceful and been very good at organizing trips. So it was kind of fun for me to organize the itinerary, but you know, on the trips, there's me running around like crazy. I've got like a a checklist for every influencer, you know, have they done that story today? Have they done this post? Have they done that photos? Like it's, you know, organizational mayhem. So (laughs) it's pretty crazy, but I've got to make sure, you know, have we got these certain photos for this brand of this certain product on this specific model? Like 
it's crazy. And so I normally took a photographer and then myself and then all the influencers. And I took suitcases and suitcases of stuff from the brands as well to make sure that all got there safely. But yeah, it was good fun, um, but a lot of work as well. Um, so yeah. And then, as I mentioned last year, we partnered with the Marriott Group. So in Fiji, we went to three different hotels in the Marriott Group and sort of promoted their spaces as well as, you know, other brands as well. Nice. Yeah. I think it's so amazing when there are people like you that can make things like influencer marketing, which may potentially for a small business seem totally like out of their league, not accessible at all to have people like you who think, no, actually let's make this accessible for everyone and let's make it worthwhile to help out these small businesses and actually give them an opportunity to grow, which I think is fantastic. If there is a small business owner, listening to this and obviously your company isn't running trips and stuff now because of COVID, but if they are potentially interested in maybe reaching out to some local influencers um, to work with them, what would, what's the best sort of strategy to um, get some influencers on board if you're a business owner? Yeah, I think the key is to make sure that the influencers are the right influencers for you. So it's not just, you know, who's popular in my area. The way that I looked at it from day one was who embodies my brand like a hundred percent. I didn't really care if they were in Spain, Brazil, America, wherever. I worked with influencers all over the world based on the fact that they were who my brand was. So I found that was way more important than where they're located. Obviously, if you are a local business and you're only in Perth, for example, then you are restricted by location. But I think people need to think more outside of the box. And, you know, the influencers are thinking the same thing. Does this brand fit my needs? Does this brand, you know, support my values? I'm not going to promote something that isn't aligned. So I think that's the first step. And then the second step is just don't be afraid, you know, just because someone's way bigger than you or they seem like they're untouchable or they're out of reach, they're not. And this just goes for anything in general, um, reaching out to, you know, mentors or, you know, people that just could help you in your business in general is just go for it. Why not just ask? Yeah. And all they can do is probably not reply or say no and you're no worse off. So you might as well ask and yeah. um, see where it goes. Yeah, definitely. Well, that that's, Honestly, that's what happens to me with these podcasts sometimes is me and my social media manager, she does a lot of the outreach for me and she, she'll she be like, oh, should we message this person? And I'm like, oh God, I don't know if they're going to reply. <laughs> like, I don't think they're going to say yes, but sometimes they do say yes. And then you've got this like crazy kick-ass person on your podcast and you're like, oh my God, this is so cool. So it just goes to show like there's literally no harm in asking. Same thing happened to my business partner the other day. Like one of the staff that works in our agency, she reached out to the co-founder of Net um, of Netflix for my business partner to see if um, to see if he wanted to be on her podcast, and he said yes. And now she's into. Wow. She started her podcast like four weeks ago, and she's mm-hmm. going to interview the co-founder of Netflix. Like. How freaking cool is that, first of all? But like, second of all, it really just goes to show like if if someone loves doing podcast interviews or loves doing press interviews or whatever, if even if you're a small person and you ask, they're probably going to say yes. There might be some influencers that love having sponsored posts or love doing this sort of work. That's how they're trying to make their living. So if you ask them, then they're more likely to say yes. But I think the key is sort of 
reaching out to lots and lots and lots of people because one, like you said, a lot of people won't reply. <laughs> um, but, and secondly, some might say no, cause it feels like it doesn't fit, but then some will say yes. And then that's how you, that's how you get these sort of deals, which is, it can change businesses. It can change lives. It can do so much stuff. I'm curious to know, is there any sort of like in terms of pricing, like if there's a small business owner and they're like, oh, well, how much would I pay for this sort of stuff? Is there sort of like a rough guide for that? Or do you just sort of have to go with what the influencer wants? Or Yeah, there's definitely no guide. It's kind of like asking how much does a digital marketer cost? You know, it's like, there's no, there's no price point. It depends on how busy they are, how much they value their time. Maybe they don't even really want to do um, much influencing work, but they'll take on a job if it pays enough. You know, it values from free to tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars um and even if you've got two with the same following their their prices will really vary someone might be free someone might be a thousand dollars but I think if you go into it saying okay what do I value it as as a business and I think people get stuck on the influencer decides the price but you can also decide the price and if the influencer um you know you know, if you don't have enough budget or if it's not worth it for you to pay more than that, then you can just walk away and you can say, thanks, but you know, we'll get back in touch when we have more budget for that. So I think as a business owner, if you can only afford to gift and, you know, just hope that they'll promote it for you, then you can definitely go that route. But a lot of larger ones will need payment. However, if you have a really key brand message and something that the influencer really aligns with and wants to support, they are more likely to, you know, want to support that anyway, rather than, you know, getting payment. And you've recently sort of, well, since you've been doing all of this amazing business stuff you've started business coaching as well which is fantastic how did that come about for you like did did someone reach out and say hey I would I see you doing all this stuff would you be my coach or was it something that you just decided oh, I feel called to do this or how did that happen for you yeah it been of all of <laughs> all of the above yeah. um a few people started to find my personal account on Instagram and start to message me and you know ask me how did you do that how did you do this and you know I love helping people I think it's in human nature to help but I realized if I keep helping people I'm not going to be able to help anyone I can't help myself I can't help them because you just burn out and so I thought how can I do this in more of a structured way and I did just sort of jump on random phone calls with people and just sort of make up prices and you know well undercharging um, as well but then probably in January last year I started more of a membership which was like a group mentoring situation and I thought if I just do one-on-one coaching I can still only help so many people. Whereas if I do a membership, I can get the same lesson out there. And, you know, where other people do memberships on social media and specific topics, mine is literally whatever I feel like the group needs. So whoever's in the group, um, what questions they're asking, I'll do anything from a mindset lesson to, you know, marketing to yeah, everything in between influencer marketing and um, all sorts of things. Last week, I just did how to get more time out of your day. So just like, things that will help business owners in general. Um, so I did it more like that. And I replied to every comment, every question in the group myself. So that's sort of my group mentoring. But then also I do one-on-one coaching, which is where people can really get more access to me and strategy and growth and things like that. But I mostly do tend to work with, you know, product-based businesses. And I get a lot of fashion and swimwear businesses coming to me as well. And, you know, some people are shocked that I have swimwear clients. Um, but in all honesty, I just want to help people. And I don't really care about this competition and, 
you know, you're going to steal my customers or not. I just want to help people. And I think there's space for everyone. I'm more than happy to, you know, one of the ladies um, recently, her factory just said, we're not working with you anymore. And she was heartbroken and broken down and crying. And I just gave her a quick call. I gave her the contact to my factory and I was more than happy to share that with her. So I'm pretty much an open book for, for my clients know that there's no, you know, barrier. There's no, you know, silver screen or mm-hmm. smoke screen is what they call it. Not silver screens. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm really, really just open to helping, but now I do it in more of a structured way. And I am sort of capped at how many one-on-one clients I can take, but yeah, now I can put out, you know, a bit of free content and things as well. So there's a lot of ways that I can help people, but at least it's a bit more structured for myself as well to make sure that I don't burn out and I can continue to run my other businesses. Yeah. Definitely. I love that. I think I totally agree in terms of there's so much abundance in the world that we have. And I'm sure even if you helped other fashion people, like your designs are so different to the other people that are in fashion. Mm -hmm. So there's no harm in helping, helping other fashion people because customers are going to be called to your designs and customers are going to be called to their designs. Um, So there's no, there shouldn't be any sort of limitations, I guess, in terms of that. I would love to know in terms of like actually setting up your membership and coming up with the membership options and how you were going to structure it. Like, what did that look like for you? How did you build that out? Um, to be honest, I just kind of put something up and, you know, initially um, I had it at a cheaper price, but I realized the amount of value that I was giving was a bit more. And the reason why I priced it originally at that price was that's just what every other membership was priced at. But, you know, I was offering a lot more value. So I thought, you know, let me increase the price a bit and still keep it affordable so it's still only $57 a month and you know they get access to me and two lessons a month and you know weekly lessons um, emailed as well so there's a lot of value but yeah originally I did have it at a lower price and there are still some foundation members on that price but then I increased it and you know people still say there's so much value in it so it wasn't really a problem with that Um, but pretty much however I started it in terms of the structure is how I've gone forward. And I said to myself, you know, some memberships I've seen, they do weekly videos. And I said, I know I'm going to get burnt out if I'm showing up every week live doing a lesson. So let me do it fortnightly. And also the members have time to then implement for the next week. Yeah. That's sort of what I thought about is what's sustainable for me because doing a membership, you have to show up constantly. You can't just leave for a month and come back later, you know, whereas running my swimwear business, If I wasn't feeling it that day, I didn't have to work because all the stuff I did was behind the scenes. Mm. So I knew that I had to do something that was sustainable for me. Um, But then also with my one-on-one coaching, that took a lot longer to get going. And same with the membership, it did take a while um, to grow. And I think that's just with anything. But the more I realized that I put myself out there, the more people got to know, like, and trust me. And I'm sure you know as well in your sort of business, it's very similar, you know, when you're doing more business services or something that's really personal, you know, I didn't really put myself out there. I didn't put out any free content. I didn't really share. And I knew that I knew all the good stuff, but no one else knew. So that's where I had challenges in the beginning was kind of letting other people know, I know some stuff that will help you 
come on over and check it out. So, yeah. Nice. What's some sort of like tactical advice if someone else is in a similar boat to you and they, they know that they have this knowledge that would be helpful for people and they want to start a thing, they maybe want to start a membership or maybe getting some personal coaching clients, but they're not sure how to tell the world about what they want to do. What did that look like for you and how could other people do the same? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm always like a very fast mover. If I think of an idea, I'm going to get it done straight away. So I had the idea and I sort of decided, yep, I'm going to make a membership in, I built a website in two hours and launched it. Like (laughs) I just thought, let me just get something up. I need the basic things. It doesn't need to be crazy fancy. Um, I'll make a Facebook group and I'll make a website that explains it and has a payment option. So I did it in two hours and I was like, done. Okay, let me move on. So I think the first step for anyone thinking about it is to get on there and do it, um, put it out there. And then the second part was that I just shared it on my Instagram. And at the time I wasn't, I was just putting out personal content more so. And a few people had found me through the Etsy swimwear account and followed me there, but I didn't really have many business owners following me. Whereas now I target my content to that. Maybe my friends don't find it as interesting, but Hey, my content is more tailored towards like business. So it means that I've got more followers and look, it just takes time. But if you are going to do something where you are the product or service, then you have to be prepared to build a personal brand. Um, and that's something that I wasn't really interested in doing when I first started Etty Swimwear. I didn't have my name on the website. No one knew who on earth was behind it at all. But eventually then I added my name to the website. Then I added my Instagram to the bio and eventually people started finding me, but still I'm not the face of Etty Swimwear. Whereas I am the face of obviously my coaching because I am the coach. Um, so for that, it just takes a little bit to, you know, get out of your comfort zone. And I think the key is to just give it a go. I mean, I definitely wouldn't be here chatting to you probably two years ago because I would have had to script everything out. I would have had to know that, you know, we've jumped onto this chat. I had no idea what you were going to ask me. And that's just a result of me jumping on and doing lives, jumping on your stories. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. My tip would be, I mean, my first live, I jumped on, I said, hey, my name is Jess, forgot what I was going to say, see you later. And, you know, that went out to like a Facebook group. And, but the key is I did one and next time I was a bit better and next time I was a bit better. So <laughs> the more you can do it and regularly putting yourself out there, the easier it gets. And I think that's the real key. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I totally resonate with that because I always tell people, try to shift your perspective in your head And don't sort of reward yourself when you've achieved the goal. Reward Mm -hmm. yourself for taking the action to get towards the goal. Because at the end of the day, if you're moving progressively towards something that you want to achieve, then you should reward yourself for that. You should pat yourself on the back or you should like tell your friends, oh my God, I'm working towards this super cool thing and I'm so excited. Like you don't have to wait till you achieve the goal to celebrate whatever it is, you can actually celebrate on, on the way there and celebrate the doing, not just the actual end result. Which yeah, I I'm a big believer of, you know, setting rewards for that action. That's something I work with my clients on all the time. And they're sort of like, I will reward myself when I get my first sale. I'm like, no, no, no. Well, we're going back like 10 steps first and you'll reward yourself at every step. And it doesn't have to be buy myself a Gucci bag every time I tick something off my list. Like you you put something that's relevant, Mm -hmm. but even just the acknowledgement in your head, wow, I have achieved this and that is an achievement. Not, I'm not achieving anything and anything until I get to that end goal. And I think it all comes down to the mindset and that's why 
we need to set rewards or goals or celebrations because it more so just releases that those endorphins and those hormones and those things that make you feel like you're achieving and then that motivates you because you want to feel that more often so amazing Jessica thank you so much for coming on the podcast you've actually given a lot of value on topics that we've never spoken about on this podcast before so I really appreciate that thank you for coming on if the audience wants to learn more about your membership or about your swimwear where can they find you online yeah, they can probably, the best place is probably my personal Instagram. So it's just jess.williamson8. And then there's links to everything from there in my bio or just, yeah, otherwise Etty Swimwear has its own account. Nice. Isn't it so annoying when the Instagram handle that you want is taken? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine that's why the eight is on the end there. I have the most common name, but I've never met a Jessica Williamson, but my doctors has another Jessica Williamson and it's like so common that there's someone in my local neighborhood with the exact same name. I'm like, yeah. seriously, people. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Guys, go and give her a follow on Instagram. Check out her swimwear. Check out her membership. I would love for you to also, if you enjoyed this episode, tag us both on Instagram in your stories. If you want to take a screenshot, please feel free. We would absolutely love that. And we will reshare. Jess, thank you so much for joining me. And guys, until the next episode, I'll see you later. Bye. Want even more amazing content to listen to or watch? Head over to my Instagram at Taylor Victoria. That's T-A-Y-L-O-R dot V-I-C-T-O-R-I-A-A, where you will get so much more epic content. Plus, you'll be able to find the link to my YouTube channel. If you head over to my YouTube channel, you will see a whole bunch of videos around mindset, personal development, and how you can become the best version of you possible. Oh, and if you have a spare minute, I would absolutely love if you could subscribe so that I can share my message with the world. Until the next episode, stay awesome, implement what you heard on this episode, and take Take action towards creating your dream life. Bye.